Hey, Simple Passive Castle listeners. Today, we are going to be talking about something we're doing on a lot of our properties and something, some tips for you landlords out there to increase the community at your properties. Ultimately, it's going to lead to higher rents and better revenues for you guys. If you guys haven't yet, join our club at simplepassivecastle.com slash club. We don't bite. It's free. I don't know why you haven't jumped in and hung out with us yet. The new California SB9 bill. As you guys know, California has the population is increasing and there is a lot of homeless there. Basically, the way they used to have it before is there were a lot of these single family home neighborhoods. It's one of those bills where it's trying to distribute wealth and trying to get these traditionally single family homes to be duplexes or multifamily so it can allow for more dense population growth and lower housing costs. What I think it's going to be doing is opening up California. In the short term, it'll relieve some of that need for housing. A lot of these things take a lot of time and a lot of people freak out when they see stuff like this. They're like, oh my God, the world is ending. The California real estate market is going to crash because now you have all these single family homes now double in amount of supply and flooding the market. It doesn't happen like that, guys. In in a year, I don't think you'll see a decrease in prices because I still feel like there's a low enough supply and there's a decent amount of demand. So I don't think you'll see prices go down at all, let alone crash. But I do think that it'll start to help out the situation where people need that dying middle market and the lower middle class housing. Or it might not do anything. Who knows? But I, I think the one president sending thing with this whole SB9, California and Oregon are, are typically your more proactive states with these types of things where you might start to see this other more neutral states where they start to break open a lot of the old money neighborhoods and bring in a more dense building in those areas. If you're a rich person in a single family home neighborhood, you probably don't like this, but for rest of the majority of the population probably um, allows and opens up the market a little bit a lot of people are talking about this last week if you haven't been paying attention there's a bill going in congress right now to change many things what this is they're going after a lot of ira owners and supposedly the rumor is this may or may not impact solo 401k folks and so what the big changes that are supposedly coming down the pipeline. We don't know yet. And I'm telling people in my inner circle, don't freak out yet. Don't be like these guys that watch YouTube all the time. I guess you guys are watching this week, so keep watching YouTube. It's fine. It's good news. Good entertainment. Congress is saying now you guys can't invest in your self-directed IRAs and private placements and syndications, which is jacked up in my opinion, because it's like, how dare you tell us what to invest in? Some people who are the conspiracy theorists are saying, Well, it's because the government is getting in cahoots with all these companies like Vanguard, Fidelity, TG Ameritrade to force them into all these garbage retail products where there's high fees. Maybe that's the case. It probably is the case, but I just find that connection loose a little bit. But what they're saying for those of you guys who are investing in your retirement accounts, Lane told you a long time ago not to do this stuff. Because I don't know why you would want to invest in a retirement account into something that's tax advantage already. You invest in, use retirement accounts for things that are non-tax advantage, such as like crypto goes up, but you got to pay a boatload of taxes, which is why you put it into your qualified retirement plans, such as this, or things where you don't get the bonus depreciation or even passive losses, like hard money lending, 
which is ordinary income. What you want to be doing with IRAs is those types of crypto or non-tax advantage things. I, I wrote a really long article and I made multiple videos on this. If you go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash QRP, if you guys want the whole argument, email me, Lane, at simplepassivecashflow.com. I'll give you the big blurb on why I'm not a huge fan of investing in retirement accounts unless you make over $330,000 adjusted gross income and you already have like maybe more than half a million million dollars in your IRA. If you're both of those two search criteria, it's very small portion of people out there where it actually makes sense to have a solo 401k or a qualified retirement plan or self-directed IRA, even a Roth in that case. But um, bigger topic. But anyway, going back to the news here, people are like, if you're going to not allow me to invest in private placements, what am I going to do? And then people are like freaking out. Oh my God, I'm going to have to liquidate my positions and keep telling people this hasn't been signed into law yet. But supposedly what they're saying is they're going to give people two years to transition out of the IRA and to dispose of those assets. Or you could just take, do what I said, you know, what I told everybody to do is just take a distribution, pay the taxes and the penalties. It's not that much anyway. This will probably change a lot of times that they'll put something out there just for negotiation to get something else in some other end. Probably asking, why is this all happening? You can thank Uncle Peter Thiel backdoored a lot of like Class B shares of PayPal and created like a $10 million plus IRA. And he's screwed the system. And now the system is looking to get back at him. Unfortunately, millions of Americas who use your retirement accounts as a mechanism for sheltering tax is also being collateral damage. What I personally think they should do to just fix the Peter Thiel's of the world is just put a cap at $10 million on IRAs. Most of us fit under $10 million in our IRAs. So that would solve that problem. But again, why are they not allowing people to invest in private placements? I don't know. Maybe that's, again, that's the conspiracy theorists out there that think that it's possible trying to force people into these retail mainstream Wall Street products. If you guys have any questions, comments, uh, type it into the comment box below. I'm sure it'll make people angry. You're probably wondering what to do. Well, email your congressperson, whoever that is. I've never personally done that before, but supposedly that's what a lot of people do. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. I have Pete Kelly here. If you guys want to, uh, apartmentlife.org. If you guys want to Google their website, also take a look at what they're up to. Welcome, Pete. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks for having me, Lane. So what is Apartment Life? What is the service that you guys provide? Sure. Back up a little bit. We are a faith-based nonprofit that's been serving the multifamily industry for 21 years. And so we help apartment owners and operators with two of their greatest needs, which is resident retention and resident satisfaction. And we have a program that saves our average client $188,000 a year and turnover, marketing costs, and staff retention. And the way we, we do that is we address one of the, the biggest needs that residents are facing, which is loneliness. Interestingly enough, you probably realize this since the pandemic, but America is dealing not just a COVID pandemic, but they're dealing with a loneliness pandemic. It was bad before the pandemic, but it's gotten a lot worse since then. In 2019, the insurance company Cigna found that 60% of Americans would describe themselves as lonely. 
Now, initially you may be thinking, okay, I'm an apartment owner, is that a really big deal? Uh, if you are an apartment owner, that actually is a really big deal. Because what that means is that your uh, residents don't have any roots in that community. And if the community just down the road offers a good enough rent incentive, they're gonna pick up and move and go to that community. What we found is that the more relationships an apartment resident has in their community, the happier they are and the longer they stay. The magic number seems to be seven. If seven of your neighbors, you're almost twice as likely to renew your lease. Are you a non-incredited investor looking for opportunities to invest passively? How about a newer investor looking to get a bit of a track record and confidence from your spouse who's a little bit skeptic of what you've been listening to the last few months? And could you use the reinforcement of double-digit returns paid like clockwork in the form of monthly dividends? The American Home Preservation Fund, or AHP, is currently open again and is looking to bring new investors with them. I have been investing with them since 2016 and originally I used it as a means to pay for my regular expenses. I started with $60,000 as my initial investment and that paid my car payment completely for me every single month. HB collaborates with existing homeowners to keep them in their homes via restructuring or selling the debts unlike their competitors. It's a way to make great returns while feeling good about making a social impact. After investing myself in the fund, it was awesome when owner George Newberry saw the impact Simple Passive Cashflow was making and eventually approached me to become a spokesperson of the company. You can start investing with as little as 100 bucks. And if you want a free Burn Zone book, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. For more information about investing with AHP, go to hpservicing.com slash investors. I like to buy stuff. Well, that's a liability. We have a program that facilitates building relationships in apartment communities. We have two models. We have an on-site model and an off-site model. The basic idea is that they create this uh, environment where people actually know their neighbors, they feel connected, and they do that through welcoming people, throwing parties and events, looking out for opportunities to care for people, connect them to one another. And as they do that, it's just this sticky community where people love where they live and they want to stay. At, at some point, resurface countertops, new flooring, nice stainless steel appliances only can take you so far. And especially when competition is getting a much higher from the apartment owners or real estate investors perspective, the tenants are going to go to where the best value is. And that value just doesn't necessarily mean that box for the house that they live in. It's the community. And whether as the business owner, you see this as your responsibility or not, it is what it is. And this is where we got to a certain point. We would take over an apartment. We would do all the things you're supposed to kick out a lot of the deadbeats, the shady characters and we, the way we feel is that benefits the greater community. That's what most people want. They want those people out, right? Rehabbing units, exterior improvements, playground equipment, all those such new clubhouse really start to put the money in. But the hard thing to get the property managers on board with all these extracurricular activities that didn't really hit KPIs. A lot of our properties, we use third-party property managers on. We hold their feet to the fire in terms of expenses, how much revenue, how much they're leasing, hard KPI numbers, but it's really hard. And for those of you business owners out there who have staff or employees, you guys know it's really hard to keep people accountable to these more softer KPIs, untrackable KPIs. We decided to bring in apartment life folks into the apartments 
in order to focus on this one aspect of the business and to really give it the emphasis that it really needs. These are the things like a Mother's Day barbecue or Easter egg hunt. It was really hard for us to get the property manager to do that type of stuff because as things get busy, what's the first thing that gets you know thrown to the wayside? But um, it, once you go over those two types of models, like how it works, because the first thing I thought of was, hey, this is like those two teenagers or the college kids in the Red Bull cart that run around and spread joy and give free Red Bull around. It's just kind of the same thing. It's like that, only they're there to stay uh, and they keep coming back. Our two models that I mentioned, one is the on-site model. And what we do is we place a couple that lives in that community. They're like a welcome wagon, like they greet every new resident when they move in. They throw all the parties and events. They look for opportunities to care for people. Sometimes it's the birth of a child. Sometimes it's a layoff or maybe a neighbor's car broke down in the parking lot and they just help them out. And 90 to 120 days before that residence lease is set to renew, the team will go by and visit them again and just say, hey, we've really enjoyed getting to know you. We've liked the feel of this place. And we're just wondering, are you thinking about sticking around for another year? As they do that, Time and time again, we see retention go up. Uh, we've done focus groups, actually, on this. We've sat down with residents and said, hey, what was it that motivated you to stick around? To what degree did the community make a difference? And I can remember one focus group out of South Carolina. They said, well, rent went up by 18% this year, and we're still here. So that tells you how much we value it. That's the on-site model. Those two guys, are they like undercover? Does everybody know that they work? as an extension of the property management company or apartment life, or are they seen as undercover, like real tenants that happen to give you a helping hand when you move in to carry your boxes in? We come and we represent the management company. And so rather than doing it undercover, we want the management company and the owner to get the credit for the program. And so we just say we're apartment life. We're here on behalf of your management team. We're also residents. So we also live here. And so they live in that interesting spot where they're representing the management company, but they're not technically part of the management team. They're a third party, but they live there. So they're also a neighbor. And so that's why we love the on-site model is because it's that mediator between the two entities. And so residents often will tell our teams things that they won't tell the management company. And so they're in a wonderful place to get intel. Even though in some cases they are wearing the polo of the third-party property management company. They are, but they relate differently because they really are seen as neighbors and friends. So I think about this one woman in, in Houston. Her name was Kathy, single mom. Uh, the team went by to do a renewal visit with her and they were friends with her. She came to all the parties and events and they say, hey, Kathy, are you thinking about sticking around? She goes, no, actually I'm not. I've had this bug infestation that the management has not been able to, to address and I already put down my deposit on the next place. And they're like, oh gosh, we're really sorry to hear that. We've just really enjoyed getting to know you and we've loved getting to know your daughter. And so they politely left. And then she wrote him back that night. And she goes, I've been thinking about you guys ever since your visit and the kind of community that you've built here. And this is the kind of neighborhood I want my daughter to grow up in. And so she goes, I decided to let go of my deposit and I'm going to renew my lease. And so that's an example where Maybe she was frustrated with the management company, but she maybe didn't voice it quite as directly. But because there was a neighbor there, 
that she knew was associated with the management team, but she viewed them in a different light. Yeah, like your resident, your RA back in college in dorms in a way, it's an intermediary. But yeah. so, to understand your guys' business, like the people are those intermediaries. Are they typically younger people or I am assuming they're getting free rent? That's part of their compensation. Is it to help the people in those situations? Yeah, the economic benefit to our teams is the reduction of rent. And that's what's in it for them. I would say our two biggest groups of people who do the program would be young marrieds, either without kids or just with really one or two really young kids. And then the other largest group would be empty nesters. We've had several empty nesters that have sold their houses or rented their houses out and said, hey, we want to go back to living in an apartment community. We, want, we don't want to have to sweat mowing the lawn. And we love the idea of getting to know our neighbors. And so they're usually like pretty extroverted people and you just find them off job boards, unusual job description, right? It is. And what we find is, although we can promote it all kinds of ways, the best source of teams are other teams. And so we find that the highest quality coordinators come from other coordinators who tell their friends about it. Hey, you would be great at this. I'd say the ideal profile, if it's a married couple, one of them, as you mentioned, would be extroverted. The other could be extroverted, but what we really need is at least one person who's administratively gifted or organized because there's a reporting function to what we do because we can do all kinds of great things. But if we're not recording that and sending that back to the management team, they don't have any idea of what's really going on there and they don't know how to quantify the value of the program. Yeah, I'm selfishly interested how you do this because I'm trying to Trying to get a little bit better outreach with on the investor relations side, see what people are, what we can do to help. And as you said, most times that example with the person who had the bugs or whatever infestation, they didn't say anything, right? It's very typical of clients. Of course, you have the 5-10% of people who just complain about every little thing, but the majority of the people are just good citizens. They don't speak up. So what is like your guidance on those, your employees to like, is there like a spreadsheet where they go down every single unit and they need to have a touch point um, barcodes for them to sign scan? What is the, how do you keep them accountable? So we have an in-house tracking system that we use where they can do it in real time or they can do it at the end of the month, but they have to do it at least once a month, record everyone that they visited, what their sentiment score was when on the move-in. So if they visited somebody, they'll, they'll weave it into the conversation, basically on a scale from one to five, how would you rate your move-in? And anything that is lower than a three or lower, that automatically gets sent to the management uh, team. And so that they know, hey, here is a retention alert. Because what we find is that people are already making the decision to renew within the first month of living there. And so if there's anything that the, the team can do on site to improve that experience, we want the team to know about that. And so that's one of the things we do. So we have an in-house tool that the teams log in and record all this. But we also partner with Modern Message. And Are you familiar with Modern Message? So it's, a, it's an interesting um, gamification uh, tool that has become very popular in the apartment industry, but it's basically an app or a website that rewards residents for engagement. So you probably have some kind of hotel reward system. Let's say you're part of the Marriott and every time you stay at the Marriott, you get points and then you can redeem those points for a stay. 
But what, what Modern Message has done is they created a similar tool for apartment residents. And so we partner with Modern Message. There, there's this kind of like the electronic tool. And then our team encourage residents to use it. And so for our clients that ha- have Modern Message, some of the reporting is actually done through the Modern Message app. And we, we've struck up a partnership with them so that at the end of the month, we have an API that pulls the data from Modern Message and we can print it up in a PDF that's sent on to our clients. Yeah, pretty advanced stuff. And I think the data gets fed in with the property managers as leasing comes up, maybe influences dynamic pricing. Maybe it doesn't. But what about the workload of these people? Is it expected to be a 40-hour-a-day-a-week job or meant to be more part-time for them? Yeah, this would be a part-time role that they do uh, in their nights and in their weekends. Because when you think about your average apartment community, most of your neighbors aren't around until the nights and the weekends. And so we look for people who already have regular jobs, but they've got some margin in their life at nights and on weekends where they can serve the community. So again, one of the dynamics could be um, young married, husband and a wife, and maybe the wife is wanting to get pregnant. She's not wanting to work. She's wanting to work part-time. And this is a way to lower their cost of living. And in a sense, having a part-time job that facilitates neighborliness in their apartment community. And then the other type of arrangement you guys do if we don't have a free unit you guys just operate on a mobile service kind of just stop in at certain times of the day we do our oldest model is the on-site model and we feel that by and large that's going to be the most effective long term in terms of actually building community but we've seen a lot of our clients have been pleased with the off-site model. For a lot of management companies, they want to throw parties, they want to throw events, but they can't put a lot of attention in it because of the demands of their job. Working in, a, in the office, you're just worried about leasing and you're worried about maintenance requests and people paying their rent on time. So the idea of throwing some kind of event or party that brings the community together, is just one too many things. And yeah. so we'll take care of that. And, and in some situations, we'll do what we call electronic visits where we'll email out or text out all the new residents and say, hey, we're having a, an event this Saturday. We'd love for you to come down and get to know your neighbors. Let's talk about some of those events. What kind of sizes, shapes have you guys pulled in the past? Yeah. If you go to our website, you can see like an insane number of pictures and event ideas. And even people who aren't yet our clients will from time to time send out event ideas. Some of the examples, something simple like what we call a wine down Wednesday, where you can come down to the clubhouse, get a glass of wine, get to know your neighbors. Sometimes communities that have a lot of pets will have what's called a yappy hour. And so we'll have bring your dog out. We'll have special treats. We'll arrange for food trucks to come out. Sometimes we'll have painting classes that we'll bring in, fitness classes. We'll bring in a chef and teach them how to make a meal. Pool parties are a big deal. Yeah, you're pulling it up right there. Poker nights, you see all kinds of ideas up there. And so what we tell our coordinators is, obviously, you need to get to know your community and what works. And so we encourage them, especially when they're new, to try a wide variety of things to see what works with their community. And and some events are going to appeal to some of their neighbors and other events are going to appeal to other neighbors. And so that's the other reason you want to do a wide variety is you want to, you don't want to keep bringing out the same 10 or 15 residents, but you want to really throw out a, a wide net 
that really helps people get to know others in their community. Yeah, and, and maybe if you can talk a little bit about as the class changes, the clientele, more A-class apartment communities versus the C-class side, do you guys cater more towards the other? If not, what? how do they events? Yeah. So historically, we started out actually on the nicer end. And so we've worked, I would say for the first 15 years of apartment life, class A and class B assets. More recently, we've been doing more class C and even affordable housing. That's actually a new division of ours is working on affordable and low income housing. So the same principles apply, but rather than just throwing a party, which you can still do, sometimes what's helpful is to have what's called wraparound services. And one of the communities that we serve in Salt Lake City, our coordinator, who's an offsite coordinator, organized 1,500 meals in the month of July for 30 families. And with one of the residents who was blind, she helped him fill out lengthy paperwork in order to sign up for social services. And so we're beginning, again, we started probably more in the class A and class B assets, but over the years, we've realized we want to be a, have a tool in the toolbox to serve any apartment community that's out there. Yeah. You want to be, use the right tools for the right jobs is what I think and not be, it reminds me of when they first had the pandemic and all these celebrities had seen that stupid song and just made idiots of themselves. If you come to the wrong apartment community with the wrong event. It can come out the wrong way a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you would think a lot of the class C places, they need this stuff more than the class A side, one would think. Yeah. And, and what we really encourage our teams, whatever community you're serving, throw the best looking event that you can. Because what we don't want to do is have like for a class C, like a wiener boil or something like that. You really want the residents to feel like, hey, you put a lot of thought and effort in this. So we have what we call eight layers of an event where the coordinators are thinking very carefully about the ambiance. How do you create a sense of buzz around it? How do you facilitate people actually making friendships there? How do you take pictures and post about it on the back end? And so we just want the events to really have a sense of sparkle and shine to them. Yeah. Have you ever, guys ever ran into issues with some tenants being like, I don't want fruit cupcakes or on Thursdays, just cut my rent by 20 bucks. That's where I really need the help. Has that ever happened? (laughs) To my knowledge, I've never uh, heard of a resident asking for uh, to cut the program for rent reduction. What we actually find is a lot of residents say, I didn't know people still live this way in the United States. I think of one particular couple that moved down to Dallas in the heat of summer and their apartment life coordinator was watching them unpack their truck. And just really unprompted, they just went over there and took icicles for the kids or like the lollipops or whatever, what do you call the frozen popsicles and waters for the parents. And this family happened to be moving in from Oklahoma. And the wife's like, I didn't know people still did this in America. This blows me away. And they're like, oh yeah, we have a great community here. We encourage you to come out to the events. And they became really good friends with them. What we find is that people really want to go. They want to get to know their neighbors, but they have lost the art of neighboring, if you will. And it just takes that that one or two instigators, the catalysts that get that culture going in the right direction. It does. And I think all the more since the pandemic, because all of our social muscles have atrophied over the last 18 months. 
And it was that catalyst that you mentioned was needed before the pandemic, but it's needed all the more now because people really have lost that ability to make small talk. And they're, they're frankly intimidated. Again, they're lonely. They want to get to know their neighbors, but they almost need somebody to hold their hand and say, hey, welcome. I want to introduce you to Bob over here. He likes hunting just like you like hunting, or he likes fishing like you like fishing. They, they really want that. And, and again, that management, the management team's just too busy to really provide that kind of level of connection. The most they're going to do for an event is throw food out on a table and say, hey, free food. Just like you guys at, at work, when you, if your boss asks you to plan a retirement party for somebody, really, is this like my job description? Kind that, of that's thing? a great analogy. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, some on-site staff because their interactions with uh, the residents often are pretty negative and heated because the residents, some are always complaining. The last thing they want to do is throw a party for these complaining residents. <laughs> so, right. And so having a third party that you can outsource that to can be a good move. Yeah. Is this something some of the listeners might have single family homes? Is this a service that you guys would provide to like, single family home operators you don't have apartment as opposed to one apartment where you can control the community is this something that you guys have branched off or thinking about branching off into some point yeah we've especially for single family build to rent we have given that a lot of thought because that is a really big deal and uh, you, you see a lot of the big players in the apartment industry go in that direction where they're building whole neighborhoods of single family homes, but they're all owned by the same entity. So they're run very much like an apartment community, but they have the feel of single family homes. And we've met with several people in that space who've said, hey, we would really like the apartment life model, but we would rather not call it apartment life. And so for that group, we're looking at the name neighborhood life. And so a name like that would probably fit better for a single family residential neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, the apartments have the common space, right? And like you said, if you can get them to be friends, you just create so much value for the, the tenants in that type of setting. It, it will be more challenging to do in, in single family neighborhoods. Now, I just, I'm looking out my front window and last night hung out and had a glass of wine with two of my neighbors. We just sat in our lawn chairs and caught up and talked about life and it was great. We didn't have a common space to meet in and it'd be hard to do Texas in the summer, but we did it 7.30 at night. So it was a little bit cooler then. So uh, even without a community space, there's ways to build community, but sometimes weather is a factor. Any other like cool events here or other things you think the folks would like to know about what you guys do? I'd say one of the other things that we've realized through the pandemic is a lot of our clients said, you're the only amenity that's open right now. And they've said, you know, we've got a fitness center, but we can't let anyone in there because we don't want to spread COVID. And so I think that was a kind of an interesting discovery. We, we were wondering actually if we would lose business in the midst of the pandemic, but actually the opposite happened. We, we had a great year of growth because again, we were the only amenity that was open. And some of the needs that we were able to meet were just really cool. Like we had this one coordinator up in uh, the Seattle area who was really burdened by the food insecurity in his community. And he got a lot of food donated and he just started to reach out to churches and government entities. And before you knew it, he just had this whole operation going 
all this food being donated. So he was able to serve his apartment community and then the one across the street. And it grew into its own nonprofit that has in the last year delivered, I want to say 8 million pounds of food to apartment residents, which is just crazy. So yeah, there's a lot of needs out there since the pandemic. And and it's been been a joy to be part of helping meet some of those needs. Yeah. And and I think you guys are a perfect example of try and find consultants people to work with where, yeah, you seem to pay more money on the front end, but it's something that you could have never done in-house. It's just a very special, unique talent and focus that you guys um, provide. If people want to get a hold of you guys, apartmentlife.org is their URL. Pete, you want to give your information in case somebody wants to utilize you guys? Yeah. If you're interested in talking further, you can email me at Pete Kelly. That's P-E-T-E-K-E-L-L-Y at apartmentlife.org. And either I'll follow up with you or I'll connect you with the right regional leader. And if you want to read more about us, you can go to just our website, apartmentlife.org. Thanks for listening, guys. I think normally I don't really talk too much about improving the communities. Now, this is the whole part of increasing value and Ultimately, that's how we make money. You don't make money, in my opinion, for a long-term basis by buying something low, selling high, buying something on Amazon, flipping it on eBay. And that's what traders do. But people who make sustainable wealth create value. And in this case, improving the units, improving the community with services such as P. Kelly's apartment life. Those are the things that create long-term value and create wealth. You know, I, I probably emphasize more with the investors. A lot of you guys are hardworking folks at home, investing your money the right way in tax advantage things that utilize great wealth building strategies. We try and help you guys out. You guys are people I think of first. At the end of the day, you can you can think of them as are the clients really the tenants who pay us rent or the clients investors. We could go either way on this. This is what we're doing on the, the tenant side. But thanks for joining. We'll see you guys next week. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.